Welcome to today's edition of Draft Utopia. My name is Chris Ransom. I have a huge show for you guys today. NFL recaps for all 15 games this week. Stanley Cup Finals preview, an NBA Finals preview, an MLB Playoff preview with projections. And then I'm going to be looking at the Edward Kiza situation and a 2020 NHL mock draft. I did a six-round NHL mock draft on Tuesday. I haven't broke that down in depth in its entirety, so if we get through everything, I'll spend the duration of the show breaking that down. Let's start with the Miami-Jacksonville game. Jacksonville didn't have DJ Chark. Miami had a shot now with Jacksonville's best receiver out for the game. Miami scored on 14 and answered points in the first quarter. Miami won this game pretty handily, 31-13. Jacksonville just did a poor job coaching in this game. Miami surprised me by executing ways that I didn't expect. Quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick was my player of the game. Fitzpatrick, 18 for 20, 160 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, 38 rushing yards, 198 total yards, one rushing touchdown, three total touchdowns, and no interceptions. Next game featured the Houston Texans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, and Derek Watt were all on the field for the first time today. Houston has J.J. Watt, the oldest Watt, while Derek and T.J. are on Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh began this play with an 11-play, 53-yard drive that took up 5 minutes and 11 seconds. Chris Boswell nailed a 33-yard field goal. And Pittsburgh led 3-0. Deshaun Watson threw a 28-yard touchdown pass to Randall Cobb. Cobb lined up in the slot and picked apart nickel cornerback Mike Hilton, who played relatively well in his first two games against the New York Giants and Denver Broncos. Houston led 7-3 after one quarter of play. David Johnson ran into the end zone. Houston led 14-3 at one point. Ben Roethlisberger threw a touchdown pass to Eric Ebron. That made it a 14-10 game. Roethlisberger threw a touchdown pass to Juju Smith-Schuster. Nobody was really covering Juju. Pittsburgh led 17-14. Watson put together a five-play 75-yard drive that only took 50 seconds. Watson threw a touchdown pass to Will Fuller. Houston led 21-17 at halftime. Pittsburgh got a field goal. Houston led 21-20 after three quarters of play. Pittsburgh had a 12 play 79-yard drive from their own 21-yard line that lasted 7 minutes and 3 seconds to begin the fourth quarter. James Conner ran in for a touchdown. Ben Roethlisberger threw a two-point conversion to Juju Smith-Schuster. Pittsburgh led 28-21. Pittsburgh's defense held Houston to a three-and-out. Houston punted it back to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh managed the clock, got Houston to burn their timeouts, and really took care of business. Pittsburgh is... 3-0 for the first time in a decade after winning 28-21 against the Texans. And Houston is 0-3. And they won the AFC South back in 2018-2019 after an 0-3 start, while Pittsburgh is 3-0. James Conner was my player of the game. 118 carries, 109 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown. This offensive line really looked good. Villanueva at left tackle. Matt Filer made the move from right tackle to left guard. To replace Ramon Foster, and he's done a lot better at left guard. Pouncey at center to Castro at right guard, and Chuck Wuma Okorafor, who I loved coming out of Western Michigan, the 2018 third round pick from Western Michigan. He's able to hold his own at right tackle. After two years of developing on the bench, 
Next game features Cincinnati and Philadelphia. This is the only game, week three game, to feature two 0-2 teams. Josh Sweat got by Jonah Williams as a backup 43 defensive end sack Joe Burrow and got by Williams on the left tackle. That forced Cincinnati punt. Carson Wentz dropped back to pass. Logan Wilson, the rookie linebacker out of Wyoming, intercepted Wentz. Wilson was known more for being a tackling machine and run stuff for at Wyoming, but Logan Wilson with a great pick here. Cincinnati got the ball back. Cincinnati went three and out on their next drive. This game was scoreless after one quarter of play. Philadelphia got a field goal. Philadelphia led 3-0. Joe Mixon made a nice run. Burrow threw it on third short. Philadelphia brought pressure, and Cincinnati now 0-5 on third down conversions. Great job by Philadelphia's defense making critical stops on third down in this first half. Cincinnati went 0-6 on third down conversions after starting from the Philadelphia 38-yard line thanks to an unnecessary Roughing unnecessary Thanks to an unnecessary roughness penalty. Yeah, there was an unnecessary roughness penalty. I lost my train of thought there for a second, but Cincinnati did it get a field goal to tie this game at three to three. Philadelphia got a field goal in their next drive. They led 6-3. Joe Burrow executed on this drive. Cincinnati moved the chains and avoided a third down situation. Burrow threw a touchdown pass to T. Higgins. Cincinnati's second round pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. It's ironic that they got the best player on the board in Joe Burrow at one, and then the second and the best player on their board again in T. Higgins to start round two. Carson Wentz threw a touchdown pass to Greg Ward Jr. Philadelphia led 13-10 at halftime. Philadelphia opened up the second half with a 10-play, 34-yard drive that took up 6 minutes and 21 seconds. Philadelphia got a field goal and took a 16-10 lead. Cincinnati put together a 10-play, 71-yard drive that took up 6 minutes and 17 seconds. Joe Burrow threw another touchdown pass to T. Higgins. Cincinnati led 17-16 after three quarters of play. Cincinnati got two field goals in the fourth quarter. Cincinnati led 23-16. Carson Wentz got a rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter. That tied this game at 23-23. The game would, this game went into overtime. Joe Burrow threw it past A.J. Green in overtime. The pass was swatted by Darius Slay. Philadelphia's defense made the stop. And Jesse Bates nearly intercepted Carson Wentz on first down. Cincinnati held Philadelphia to three and out. Philadelphia held Cincinnati to three and out. Third down conversions were a problem for Cincinnati until Burrow threw his first passing touchdown to T. Higgins. Carson Wentz threw a first down to Zach Ertz. Philadelphia was approaching field goal range before Cincinnati made a defensive stop. Joe Burrow threw a first down to Tyler Boyd. Philadelphia adjusted defensively and made the stop. Philadelphia got a first down once they got the ball back. Carson Wentz ran for a first down, but it got called back due to the Bengals using their last timeout. Philadelphia kept their first down and ran some clock. Jason Peters is now injured. Philadelphia already lost right guard Brandon Brooks and left tackle Andre Dillard to injuries. Peters moved back to left tackle once Dillard got injured. Philadelphia lined up for Philadelphia 59-yard field goal. Yeah. Philadelphia, the special teams, had a Philadelphia moment. 
false start penalty by Matt Pryor on Philadelphia's offensive line. Literally 69, the Eagles, which is the number Matt Pryor wears, 69. A delay of game penalty pushed Philadelphia back even further. This game ended in a 23-23 tie, thanks to Philadelphia having to punt and Joe Mixon wanting to run the ball in overtime. These teams met in 2008 as well, and they tied then. Joe Burrow was my player of the game. 31 for 44, 312 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, and no interceptions. He did get sacked eight times today, but that was due to how woeful his entire offensive line was today. And I think the only player who can actually make a case for keeping their job right now is Pitt, Trey Hopkins. I do think Jonah Williams, he did have a great pancake block on the um, second touchdown that Burrow threw to T. Higgins. So if you move Jonah Williams to right tackle and you draft the left tackle, you can go that route as well. So outside of Jonah Williams and Trey Hopkins, everybody's playing like they're replaceable at this point. Everyone on this Bengals offensive line is playing like they're replaceable. Next game featured San Francisco and New York. It was the 49ers at the Giants. San Francisco had 20 players in the injury report. New York did, does not have Saquon Barkley. San Francisco got a field goal. After recovering a fumble, they managed to get another field goal. San Francisco led 6-0 after one quarter of play. After Jordan Reed, George Kittle's backup tight end got injured. New York got a field goal in the second quarter. San Francisco led 6-3. New York got a field goal. That tied this game at 6-6. Dexter Lawrence pressured Nick Mullins on a throw. That incompletion set up a third and 10. Jarek McKinnon, the third string running back for San Francisco, got a rushing touchdown with both Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman injured. San Francisco led 13-6. Daniel Jones threw an interception. San Francisco got the ball back. San Francisco got a field goal off that interception and led 16-6 at halftime. New York put together a 13-play, 53-yard drive. It took up 6 minutes and 54 seconds to start the second half. New York got a field goal. San Francisco led 16-9. San Francisco got a touchdown. They led 23-9 after three quarters of play. San Francisco outscored the Giants 13-0 in the fourth quarter. San Francisco went on a 20-0 run after New York got the field goal in the first series of the opening half. Of opening quarter of the second half. San Francisco won 36-9. Nick Mullins is my player of the game. 25 for 36, 342 passing yards, one passing touchdown, no interceptions. I also considered Brandon Ayuk the rookie receiver and Fred Warner as player of the game nominees. At the end of the day, Mullins just showed up and did well despite the abundance of injuries that the San Francisco 49ers had. Next game features the Las Vegas Raiders and the New England Patriots. New England won five of their last seven and that was during the Tom Brady era. Las Vegas is 2-0 after defeating Cam Newton's former team, the, the Panthers, and the New Orleans Saints in Monday Night Football. Coincidentally, now they're playing Cam Newton. First series, Josh Jacobs fumbled the ball when the Raiders were at the New England 12-yard line. Cam Newton threw an interception, 
and the Raiders got the ball back. Las Vegas got a field goal in the first quarter. Las Vegas led 3-0 after one quarter of play. New England got a field goal. This game was tied in the second quarter following the field goal. New England recovered a fumble. New England only got a field goal as Las Vegas made a great defensive stop. New England led 6-3. Derek Carr on third round, hoping to make something happen without his first round pick. Henry Ruggs, the third, he sacked, and New England would get the ball back. Rex Burkhead got a rushing touchdown. New England led 13-3. Derek Carr threw a touchdown pass to Foster Moreau. New England led 13-10 at halftime. The Raiders got the ball to start the second half. They had an eight-play, 48-yard drive that took up four minutes and 17 seconds. The Las Vegas Raiders could not get anything going on that first drive in the second half. They missed a field goal. New England kept their 13-10 lead. Rex Burkhead scored on a seven-play, 69-yard drive that took up four minutes and two seconds. Rex Burkhead gave New England a 20-10 lead. New England got a field goal. They led 23-10 after three quarters of play. Las Vegas put together an 11-play, 68-yard drive that took up five minutes and six seconds. Las Vegas got a field goal. New England led this game 23-13. New England had a 10-play, 81-yard drive that took up 6 minutes and 5 seconds in the 4th quarter. And they led 29-13. New England led 29-13 following that drive. Dietrich Wise Jr. recovered a fumble from Derek Carr. Las Vegas got a touchdown. New England won this game 36-20. Running back Rex Burkhead was my player of the game. Six carries, 49 rushing yards, seven receptions, 49 receiving yards, two rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown, 13 total touches, 98 total yards, and three total touchdowns. The other running back who was the number one running back, Sonny Michelle, had nine carries for 117 rushing yards, while New England's offense as a whole had 38 carries, 250 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. I'm not sure if James White played in this game. I know James White was on the active roster, and he's been going through some stuff after the car accident last week where his parents, where his father died and his mom was in the hospital in critical condition. I think he suited up, but I, I don't think they played him. I think they went with Michelle and Burkhead because Burkhead and Michelle got the majority of the carries. But I think we'll see James White more in this offense next week with teams game, having to game plan around those two running backs. Isaiah Wynn and Joe Thunney stepped up in this game. Thunney moved to center, fill in for David Andrews, and had a phenomenal game. Next game features the Titans and the Vikings. Running backs Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook should go off in this game. Henry doesn't have to worry about Barr. Cook is due for a huge game. Tennessee got a field goal. Rashad Evans recovered the fumble. That led to Tennessee getting a second field goal. Tennessee led 6-0 after their first two drives. Dalvin Cook had a 39-yard rushing touchdown on the following drive. That gave Minnesota a 7-6 lead. Second and eight on the next drive for Tennessee was brutal. Left tackle Taylor Luan got injured, and without him, things would be even more difficult without Luan at left tackle. Or A.J. Brown at receiver. So Minnesota did lead this game 7-6 to six after one quarter of play, but 
you'd imagine having to make quite a bit of adjustments in the second quarter. You don't have your number one receiver, A.J. Brown. You don't have your left tackle, Taylor Luan. Your blindside, Ryan Tannehill. Jack Conklin, your right tackle from last year's AFC Championship team, is on the Browns. So you're down with... So you have downgrades at both offensive tackle spots and you don't have a number one receiver. This is a situation that's really going to test Ryan Tannehill's ability and leadership without this good supporting cast. And he throws an interception to Harrison Smith. Kirk Cousins drove Minnesota downfield to Adam Thielen for a 16-yard touchdown. Cousins, 8 for 10, 96 passing yards, one passing touchdown, no interceptions. Minnesota led 14-6. Minnesota got a field goal at 17-6. Tennessee got a field goal. Minnesota led 17-9 at halftime as Ryan Tannehill is really struggling in this game without without his blind side. And he needs that blind side when you consider the fact that Conklin signed Cleveland, as I already stated. Kirk Cousins threw a pass to Justin Jefferson. It was intercepted by Jonathan Joseph. Tennessee went three and out as Tannehill just continued to struggle in this game. Henry, he was able to run, but another... Defensive stop by the Vikings. Minnesota got the ball back on an eight-play, 57-yard drive that lasted three minutes and 14 seconds. They missed a field goal, though. Tennessee got a field goal and a quick drive in the third quarter. Minnesota led 17-12. Kirk Cousins fired a 71-yard touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson. Minnesota led 24-12. Derrick Henry didn't have one, but two rushing touchdowns on the Tennessee Titans next two drives. Tennessee... Led 25-24 after three quarters of play, with Henry coming up huge late in the third quarter. Minnesota put together a 10-play, 75-yard drive on their own 25-yard line. Minnesota's drive lasted six minutes and five seconds as Cousins threw a touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph, their tight end. Minnesota attempted a two-point conversion but could not convert. Minnesota led 30-25. Stephen Gostkowski got two more field goals on Tennessee's final two drives. Tennessee was 6-for-6 six six on field goals. Thanks to Stefan Goskowski at kicker, Tennessee won 31-30. Goskowski got his honorable mention. Running back Derrick Henry was my player of the game. 26 carries, 119 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Washington football team headed to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Denzel Ward was a game-time decision. Ward chose to play in this game. Both teams made defensive stops in the first series. The Washington football team made another stop. Dwayne Haskins threw a touchdown pass to Dontrell Inman. The Washington football team led 7-0 after one quarter of play. Cleveland had a strong drive, a 13-play, 42-yard drive that took up 5 minutes and 58 seconds of play. The Washington football team led 7-3. Carl Joseph intercepts Dwayne Haskins as the former Ohio State quarterback gets some hot Carl for Mr. Joseph. That interception set up a quick drive where Nick Chubb had a 16-yard rushing touchdown. Cleveland led 10-7. Miles Garrett sacked Dwayne Haskins. Garrett grabbed Haskins by the shirt. Garrett was bullying Jerron Christian in the second half. Now, he didn't get into a fight with anyone like the Steeler game last year. But, yeah, he was just having no problems exploiting Washington's blind side like the other two opponents the Washington football team played. Cleveland intercepted Dwayne Haskins in the next drive. Baker Mayfield threw a passing touchdown to Kareem Hunt. Cleveland led 17-7 at halftime. Chase Young got injured and left this game. He changed out of his uniform and high-five teammates on the sideline. Washington still had Ryan Kerrigan and Montez Sweat off the edge with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen inside. 
Sheldon Richardson sacked Dwayne Haskins early in the third quarter. Cleveland continues to step up. Antonio Gibson got a rushing touchdown. Cleveland at 17-13 following a mixed extra point. Washington adjusted defensively as Cleveland had a three and out. They punted back to Washington. Haskins reconnected with Dontrell Inman on the next drive. The Washington football team led 20-17 after three quarters of play. Cleveland outscored the Washington football team 17-0 in the fourth quarter thanks to Baker Mayfield's passing touchdown to Harrison Bryant, the rookie tight end. The very first player I spoke with at the um, 2020 Senior Bowl Media Day, Harrison Bryant, John Mackey Award winner, very first player at the uh, Senior Bowl Media Day press conferences that I spoke with. Nick Chubb ran it in for a 20-yard run, which gave Cleveland a 31-20 lead. Cleveland got a field goal. Cleveland won 34-20. And that Harrison Bryant press conference is over on TalkShoe. If you want to listen to that, just type in Harrison Bryant interview. Draftytopia Harrison Bryant interview. It's, it's up there. should be up there somewhere on TalkShoe. Cleveland Browns running back Nick Chubb was my player of the game. Nick Chubb had 19 carries, 108 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Game number 8 of 15 is now underway. Rams and Bills. Buff, this was the only game featuring 2-0 teams. The winner of this game will be 3-0. The Los Angeles Rams held the Buffalo Bills to a 3-and-out on their first drive. Los Angeles put together a 10-play, 53-yard drive that took up 5 minutes and 46 seconds of play. The Los Angeles Rams missed the field goal. Buffalo responded. They put together an 11-play, 57-yard drive from their own 43-yard line that took up 6 minutes and 26 seconds play. Josh Allen threw a touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs, but that was overturned and ruled an incomplete pass. Then went, and Allen went back to Diggs on second down, offsetting penalties, negated a touchdown to Stephon Diggs. Devin Singletary was stopped on third and goal. Josh Allen scrambled in for the touchdown on fourth and goal. Buffalo led 7-0 after one quarter of play. Early in the second quarter, Jared Goff threw an interception to Levi Wallace. And Josh Allen decided to give Buffalo an encore with another rushing touchdown on the next drive. Buffalo led 14-0 and capitalized off the Jared Goff interception with a touchdown of their own. The Los Angeles Rams put together a 13-play, 63-yard drive that took up 6 minutes and 55 seconds. Los Angeles only got a field goal. Buffalo led 14-3. Josh Allen threw a touchdown pass to Tyler Croft. It's also worth noting that A.J. Epineza, the Iowa defensive end that I had a first-round grade on, had his first career sack of the first half. Buffalo led 21-3 at halftime. Josh Allen had a 21-yard pass to rookie Gabriel Davis and a 29-yard pass to Cole Beasley. That set up a touchdown where Allen threw it to Stephon Diggs. Buffalo led 28-3. Jared Goff ran for a touchdown on the Rams next drive. Buffalo led 28 to 10. Buffalo, Josh Allen threw a pick. Jared Goff threw a touchdown pass to Robert Woods. Buffalo led 28-17 after three quarters of play. The Los Angeles Rams held Josh Allen to a three and out. Buffalo punted. Jared Goff put together a 10-play, 107-yard drive that took up five minutes and 43 seconds. 
Los Angeles began from their own three-yard line. The drive ended with Goff throwing a touchdown pass to Cooper Cup. The Rams went for the two-point conversion and got it. Buffalo led 28-25. Los Angeles recovered a Josh Allen fumble. Daryl Henderson ran into the end zone for a touchdown. Los Angeles led 32-28. People were making 28-3 Bills jokes after the Falcons blew a 28-3 lead in Super Bowl 51. Unfortunately, those jokes did not come to fruition as Josh Allen led Buffalo on an 11-play, 80-yard drive that lasted 4 minutes and 15 seconds. Josh Allen threw a touchdown pass to tight end Tyler Croft. Buffalo won 35-32. Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen was my player of the game for the third week in a row for this Buffalo Bills team. Josh Allen went 24 for 33 with 311 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, five total touchdowns, and one interception. Josh Allen is in the MVP conversation with quarterbacks like Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers as we head into October. Let's see if Josh Allen can continue to build that momentum and make his case for MVP for the second month this season. Chicago and Atlanta. Julio Jones is ruled out for this game. On defense, Atlanta does not have A.J. Terrell as their first-round pick tested positive for COVID-19, so the Clemson corner is out for this game. Chicago had a 9-play, 47-yard drive that took up 4 minutes and 18 sec 4 minutes and 8 seconds. Chicago missed the field goal. Matt Ryan threw a touchdown pass to Hayden Hurst. Atlanta missed the extra point, led 6-0. Chicago put together a 12-play, 68-yard drive that took up 7 minutes. Their next drive took up a minute. Chicago had the ball for 12 minutes and 8 seconds in the first quarter and only had three points to show for it. Atlanta led 6-3 after one quarter of play. Atlanta began the second quarter with a 12-play 53-yard drive. It took up 6 minutes and 18 seconds. Atlanta got a field goal on that drive and led 9-3. Brian Hill ran for a 35-yard rushing touchdown. Atlanta led 16-3. Mitchell Trubisky threw a touchdown pass to Jimmy Graham. Atlanta led 16-10 at halftime. Todd Gurley got a touchdown for Atlanta. Atlanta led 23-10. Mitchell Trubisky got benched for Nick Foles in the third quarter. Atlanta got a field goal, 26-10. Chicago only had a 1% chance of beating Atlanta at one point after, only having a 2% chance of beating Detroit on the road. At one point last week, Atlanta had a 99.9% .9 chance of beating Dallas. This week, they had a 99.3% chance of beating Dallas, or beating Chicago. So... And there were graph charts showing how badly the Falcons choked, like stock market graph charts. It's freaking insane. But Chicago, they began this fourth quarter with a turnover on downs. Chicago's defense stepped up and held Atlanta to a three and out. Nick Foles threw a touchdown pass to Jimmy Graham. Chicago could not get the two-point conversion. Atlanta led 26-16. Chicago held Atlanta to another three and out. Nick Foles threw a touchdown pass to Allen Robinson. Atlanta led 26-23. Chicago had a third consecutive three-and-out defensive stop in the third in the fourth quarter. This defense was just clutch today. And Nick Foles threw a touchdown pass to Anthony Miller. Chicago led 30-26. Chicago won 30-26 after Tayshawn Gibson intercepted Matt Ryan. Atlanta led Dallas 39-24 with 5.35 in the fourth quarter before losing in week two. Atlanta led Chicago 26 26 of 10 with 624 in the fourth quarter 
with a 99.3% chance of victory. Wide receiver Allen Robinson was my player of the game. 10 receptions, 123 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown in the, in the win over Atlanta. Carolina and the Chargers. This was a game where Justin Herbert will make his second consecutive start. Los Angeles had a strong defensive line. We'll not have to worry about Christian McCaffrey. Joey Sly had two field goals in the first quarter. Carolina led 6-0 after one quarter of play. Austin Eckler got a rushing touchdown. Los Angeles led 7-6. Carolina got a field goal. Carolina led 9-7 thanks to Joey Sly. Teddy Bridgewater threw a passing touchdown. Carolina missed the extra point, led 15-7. Justin Herbert would follow that up with the interception. That drive with another interception. Dante Jackson, the former LSU cornerback. Was able to get the pick. And Carolina's 2018 second-round pick from LSU intercepted Justin Herbert. Joey Sly got one more field goal. Carolina led 18-7 at halftime. Los Angeles got a field goal in the third quarter thanks to Michael Bagley. Carolina led 18-10 after three quarters of play. Sly got a field goal in the fourth quarter. Carolina led 21-10. Justin Herbert threw a touchdown pass to Keenan Allen. The Chargers attempted a two-point conversion. The conversion was no good. Carolina led 21-16. Los Angeles stepped up defensively in the fourth quarter. They forced Carolina to punt it back. Justin Herbert had a third down conversion on third and five. Then Herbert had three more first downs as the Chargers were driving on this final series of the game. Unfortunately, a false start penalty set up a third and 15. Herbert threw a 14-yard pass to Keenan Allen. It was fumbled and recovered by Carolina. Carolina won 21-16. You could give Joey Sly player of the game, but he missed the extra point. Brian Burns, the Panthers' first-round pick, did well too, but... To be fair, he's facing one of the NFL's worst offensive tackle tandems. My player of the game is going to go to Teddy Bridgewater. 22 for 28, 235 passing yards, one passing touchdown, no interceptions without a star running back, Christian McCaffrey. Jets at Colts. New York will not have Le'Veon Bell, Jameson Crowder, or George Fant on offense. Sam Darnold will have a depleted offense for the second week in a row. Xavier Rhodes picked off Sam Darnold. Rhodes returned the interception for a pick six. Indianapolis led 7-0. Sam Darnold threw a touchdown pass to Braxton Berrios. That tied the game at 7-7. Score would remain 7-7 after one quarter of play. Phillip Rivers threw his 400th career passing touchdown. Indianapolis led 14-7. Rodrigo Blankenship got a field goal at halftime. Indianapolis led 17-7 at halftime. Indianapolis got the ball back to start the second half, but could not capitalize on their opening possession. New York went three and out in their first drive in the third quarter. Indianapolis began their next drive in the third quarter on their own 45-yard line. Indianapolis put together a 10-play, 55-yard drive that took up five minutes and seven seconds. Jonathan Taylor got a rushing touchdown. Indianapolis led 24-7. And after, Barry, after Darnold threw the touchdown pass to Barrios, it would be 7-7 after one quarter. Rivers threw that 400th career passing touchdown. Blankenship got the field goal, so Indy led 17-7 at halftime. And then Jonathan Taylor ran it in 
on that long drive, the 10-play, 55-yard drive that took up five minutes and seven seconds of play. I feel like I'm repeating myself. I'm not sure, though. Xavier Rhodes wasn't the only Colts cornerback to get a pick six. TJ Carey, who played opposite of Rhodes, also got a pick six off of Darnold. Indianapolis led this game 31-7 after three quarters of play. Indianapolis got a safety and a field goal in the fourth quarter. That led the Colts winning. Indianapolis won at 36-7. The cornerback tandem of TJ Carey and Xavier Rhodes stepped up. Rocky Sin was actually pretty good in the nickel, too. Rhodes didn't give a touchdown, though, and Carey was covering the side of the field where the Jets scored their only touchdown. So Xavier Rhodes is my player of the game. That pick six was huge for the Colts' momentum in this game, and it was a huge confidence builder for the Indianapolis Colts, who are now 2-1. Dallas Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks. This was probably the most exciting, high-scoring game of the week. Dallas will not have Tyron Smith at left tackle. Lael Collins has been injured at right tackle all season. He's been playing through an injury, but he hasn't really been 100% all season. Both Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson could dominate despite not having the best offensive tackle situations at the moment. Dallas got a field goal in the first quarter. Dallas led 3-0. Russell Wilson threw one deep to Tyler Lockett. Seattle took a 7-3 lead. Seattle got a safety and the ball back and led 9-3. Ezekiel Elliott got a rushing touchdown. Dallas tied the game but missed the extra point. Russell Wilson threw a 62-yard pass to DK Metcalf, which was nearly a touchdown. Trevon Diggs stripped Metcalf of the football and prevented a touchdown by forcing a touchback on the forced fumble by the former Alabama corner as he humiliated the former Ole Miss rival. Both teams had opportunities to separate themselves and gain the lead, but didn't execute offensively. Seattle ended the first quarter with a three and out against this Dallas offense. This game was tied 9-9 after one quarter of play. Both Seattle and Dallas went three and out in their opening series in the second quarter. Seattle and Dallas deserve some credit for making some defensive adjustments in the early part of the second quarter, but those defensive adjustments would not last. With under seven minutes in the first half, Russell Wilson threw another touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett. Seattle led 69. Dak Prescott threw a touchdown pass to Cedric Wilson. Dak Prescott did an awesome job picking apart K.J. Wright in the first half of this contest. K.J. Wright is one of the league's better 43 right outside linebackers, and Prescott deserves a lot of credit for making Wright look like an amateur in the first half. Unfortunately, Greg Zerline could not follow through with the extra point to tie this game. Seattle led 16-15. They were not done scoring in the first half. Russell Wilson went back to Tyler Lockett. Seattle led 23-15 at halftime. Russell Wilson threw another touchdown pass. Once Seattle, because somebody decided to call me while I was reading through the Cowboys-Seahawks highlights, now I'm going to read the Dallas-Seattle game in its entirety once again without interruptions because that is not cool. Calling me while I'm doing this recap, the highest scoring game of the week, is not cool, audience. It's not cool to do that to me. I'm open to having a call-in segment on this podcast, but not while I'm breaking down the Dallas-Seattle game. But as I stated, Dallas will not have Tyron Smith and Leal Collins at left tackle or right tackle. Leal Collins has been injured at right tackle. Tyron Smith was inactive for this game. Prescott and Wilson could dominate. Dallas got a field goal in the first quarter. Dallas led 3-0. Russell Wilson threw one deep to Tyler Lockett. Seattle took a 7-3 lead. Seattle got a safety in the ball back and led 9-3. Ezekiel Elliott got a rushing touchdown. Dallas tied this game but missed the extra point. Russell Wilson threw a 62-yard pass to DK Metcalf, which nearly resulted in a touchdown. Diggs stripped Metcalf of the football and prevented the touchdown on the forced fumble by the former Alabama corner. Both teams had opportunities. It was 9-9 after one quarter of play. Um, Russell Wilson threw a touchdown pass to Lockett. 
Prescott threw a touchdown pass to Cedric Wilson, and Prescott picked apart K.J. Wright. Dallas missed the extra point, though. Seattle led 16-15. They were not done scoring. They went back to Tyler Lockett and led 23-15 at halftime. Russell Wilson threw another touchdown pass once Seattle got the ball to start the second half. Seattle led 29-15 after Hollister caught a touchdown pass with 14-14 left in the third quarter. A successful extra point gave Seattle a 30-15 lead. This is NFL at CenturyLink Field, not a tennis match between Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. And that touchdown pass gave Seattle a 30-15 lead. Dak Prescott went back to Boise State wide receiver Cedric Wilson. Seattle led 30-22 after three quarters of play. Dak Prescott threw a 43-yard touchdown pass to Michael Gallup. Dallas attempted to tie the game on a two-point conversion. The two-point conversion attempt was unsuccessful. Seattle led 30-28. Seattle punted it to Dallas. Dallas put together a 16-play 70-yard drive. It took a 5 minutes and 55 seconds. Dallas led 31-30 following a field goal. And... Seattle got the ball in their own 25-yard line. They put together an eight-play... Seventy-five yard drive that took up two minutes and twelve seconds of play. Russell Wilson threw a touchdown pass to DK Metcalf to cap off the drive. Seattle led 38-31. Dak Prescott drove the ball downfield in the final drive. He got Seattle he got Dallas to about the Seattle 24-yard line before he being intercepted. Seattle won this game 38-31. Quarterback Russell Wilson was my player of the game for Seattle. Russell Wilson went 27 for 40 with 350 passing yards. Five passing touchdowns and no interceptions outside of Josh Allen. Wilson was my only other player to win player of the game. 3-0 for his team. For his 3-0 team in weeks one through three of the NFL season. So Russell Wilson would be my number one candidate for MVP because he was player of the game three weeks in a row for Seattle. Josh Allen would be my number two MVP candidate at this point. And Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes were both players of the game in weeks one and two for their respective teams. So... They can enter this conversation depending on what happens in the Monday night game. Let's go to Denver. Tampa Bay and Denver. Denver put out South Park cutouts in their stadium as Tom Brady heads to Denver as a Buccaneer. There was no cutout of Tom Brady crapping himself. There was no cardboard cutout of Tom Brady crapping himself. Remember the South Park episode where they uh, give up, where they're trying to find out what makes Tom Brady great? And they're giving him, like, laxatives that make him crap his pants. There was no Tom Brady cardboard South Park cutout of Tom Brady crapping his pants. However, Tom Brady did impose his will on this defense in the first half, anyway. Denver lined up to punt. The punt was blocked by Tampa Bay. That gave quarterback Tom Brady excellent field position. He threw a touchdown pass to Chris Godwin, who returned. Tampa Bay led 7-0. Tampa Bay got a field goal. Tampa Bay led 10-0 after one quarter of play. Denver got a field goal thanks to Brandon McManus. Tampa Bay led 10-3. Tom Brady threw a touchdown pass to Mike Evans on a screen pass. Nice third down conversion by Mike Evans in a goal line situation on third and goal. Tampa Bay led 17-3. Tom Brady threw another touchdown pass to Mike Evans. Tampa Bay led 23-3 after missing the extra point. Jeff Driscoll threw a touchdown pass to Chip Patrick. Tampa Bay led this game 23-10 at halftime. Tampa Bay got a safety on Denver's first offensive series of the second half. Tampa Bay led 25-10. to 
Tampa Bay kicked a field goal in the third quarter. Tampa Bay led 28 to 10. Neither team scored in the fourth quarter. Tampa Bay won 28-10. Quarterback Tom Brady was my player of the game. Tom Brady went 25 for 38 with 297 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and no interceptions. Detroit and Arizona. Detroit will not have Desmond True fought at cornerback. They are getting wide receiver Kenny Galladay back, though. Matt Prater made a field goal for Detroit. Kyler Murray threw a touchdown pass to Andy Isabella. Arizona led 7-3 after one quarter play. Matthew Stafford got great pass protection on a touchdown pass to Jesse James. James ran a great slant on fourth and one. Detroit led 10-7 following the touchdown. Kyler Murray ran for a rushing touchdown. Arizona missed the extra point. Arizona led 13-10. Matthew Stafford threw a touchdown pass to Kenny Galladay. Stafford had excellent pass protection from all five of his offensive linemen on that Touchdown pass. Once again, Stafford getting the pass protection he needs. Detroit led 17-13 at halftime. Arizona began the second half with a seven-play, 44-yard drive that lasted three minutes and 41 seconds. Zane Gonzalez made a field goal. Detroit led 17-16. Arizona stepped up defensively as this defense held Matthew Stafford to a three-and-out to start the second half. Jeffrey Okuda lined up at field cornerback where Desmond Trufant was supposed to play before his injury for the second week in a row. Okuda Matata as the Ohio State rookie intercepts the 2019 NFL Draft's first overall pick. Okuda Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Detroit gets the ball back. Their offense came away with a field goal. Detroit led 20-16. Kyler Murray threw a second touchdown pass to Andy Isabella. As Kyler Murray was not letting Okuda Matata have an encore, Arizona led 23-20 after three quarters of play. Matt Prater got a field goal. That tied this game at 23 in the fourth quarter. Detroit went for the game-winning field goal with hardly any time left. And the field goal was good. Detroit won and handed the Arizona Cardinals their first loss of the season. Matt Prater was my player of the game for Detroit. Matt Prater went 4-for-4 four four on field goal attempts and 2-for-2 two two on extra point attempts. Prater was about as flawless as you can be in a game for a kicker. Green Bay, New Orleans, the last game I will be recapping before I break down other stuff on today's show. Aaron Rodgers heads to New Orleans for Sunday Night Football. Green Bay didn't have their best receiver, Devontae Adams. New Orleans didn't have their best receiver, Michael Thomas. Green Bay's defense held New Orleans to a three and out on their first drive. Great defensive stop by the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay opened this game with a 10-play, 30-yard drive. It took up 5 minutes and 38 seconds on 2nd and 10. Demario Davis, the 43 right outside linebacker for New Orleans Blitz. He got by left tackle David Bakhtiari and sacked Aaron Rodgers to set up a 3rd and 2. Green Bay settled for the field goal. Mason Crosby gave the Packers 3 points. Green Bay led 3-0. New Orleans began from their own 23-yard line. New Orleans had a 4-play, 77-yard drive that took up 2 minutes and 23 seconds. Drew Brees threw a touchdown past Alvin Kamara. New Orleans led 7-3 after one quarter play. Mason Crosby got a field goal in the second quarter. New Orleans led 7-6. New Orleans had their second three and out of the series. Green Bay capitalized the next drive, and Aaron Rodgers threw a touchdown pass to Al Lazar. Green Bay led 13-7. New Orleans followed that up with an 11-play, 59-yard drive. It took up six minutes and four seconds. Will Lutz made a 45-yard field goal. Green Bay led 13-10. Drew Brees threw a touchdown pass to Emmanuel Sanders. New Orleans led 17-13 at halftime. Green Bay began the second half on their own 25-yard line. 
Green Bay put together a seven-play, 75-yard drive that took up two minutes and two seconds. Aaron Rodgers threw a 72-yard pass to Al Lazard on third and 10. Aaron Jones ran it in for a touchdown. Green Bay led 2017. New Orleans executed on their first drive of the third quarter as well. New Orleans put together a 12-play, 63-yard drive that took up seven minutes and three seconds of play. Will Lutz made a 35-yard field goal that took tied the game at 20-20. Aaron Rodgers threw a touchdown pass to Mercedes Lewis. Incredible effort by Mercedes Lewis to fight off defenders as Rodgers threw on the run. Green Bay led 27-20. Drew Brees threw a screen pass to Alvin Kamara. Kamara had one sidestep, two sidesteps. That was a touchdown as Kamara got the separation thanks to the sidesteps. New Orleans tied this game at 27-27. That was the score after three quarters of play. Green Bay had a turnover of downs following the Kamara touchdown. New Orleans fumbled the ball, though with a golden opportunity to regain the lead and could not capitalize. Green Bay, though, capitalized off the fumble as a 12-yard pass from Aaron Rodgers to Jake Sternberger put Green Bay in field goal range. Mason Crosby made the 49-round field goal. Green Bay led 30-27. to New Orleans went three and out offensively for the third time in this game. Green Bay had a seven-play 50-yard drive that lasted four minutes and 36 seconds. Rodgers threw it to Tanya for the score. Green Bay led 37-27. New Orleans got a field goal late in the game, but it was too little too late. The onside kick went out of bounds, and it was spinning like a dreidel. Yes, the football that Will Lutz kicked on the onside kick was spinning like a dreidel as it went out of bounds. I noticed that. I don't know if the media picked up on the dreidel, the football spinning like a dreidel, but it doesn't matter. Green Bay won 37-30. Wide receiver Alan Lazard was my player of the game. Lazard had six receptions or 146 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. And coming up on this Draft Utopia podcast, after the break, I'll be breaking down the 2020 Stanley Cup Finals, the 2020 NBA Finals, and my MLB playoff predictions. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Draft Utopia. As far as the 2020 Stanley Cup Finals go, my preseason prediction on September 29th, 2019 was lightning over Blues. I said the team that posed the biggest threat to the Blues in the Western Conference was my favorite NHL team, the Dallas Stars. So this Stanley Cup's been the team I like to root for as a fan. Dallas, the team I predicted to win this Cup, Tampa Bay. Yeah, excuse me for the belching, but Captain Steve Stamkos will not return to the series for Tampa Bay. It was confirmed last night he will be out for the rest of the series. He did come back for the first period of Game 3 after the Lightning tied the series 1-1. And the irony is Dallas scored first in Games 1, 4, and 5 of the series. The Islanders scored first in 4 or 5 of the 6 games in their series against the Tampa Bay Lightning, even though the Lightning won in the series. And made it to the Stanley Cup. So that's something you have to give the Islanders credit for. They were able to score first in like four or five of the games in the Eastern Conference Finals, but they couldn't win this series. And Tampa Bay is a pretty persistent team. Two games in the Stanley Cup, the last two games, games four and five, the games on no rest, the games where the players had to play the following evening on no rest both went to overtime. Now these teams get a little bit of resting, a little bit of time to adjust to each other, a little bit of time to get acclimated to each other. And I picked Tampa Bay over Dallas in seven because I love the Dallas special teams, the power play, the penalty killing unit. 
But the bigger story in the Stanley Cup Finals has been Tampa Bay's special teams, their power play, their penalty killing. And Dow, Tampa Bay's got some great players. Kucherov, the number one right winger in the NHL. Vasilevsky's a top goalie in fantasy hockey. You have Victor Hedman, the defenseman for the Tampa Bay Lightning, alternate captain, number two pick in the 2009 NHL entry draft. You have Mikhail Sergachev, who you got in a trade. You have Braden Coburn. You have guys that can step up into different roles and do different things and execute effectively. Braden Point, Andrej Palat. I could go on and on and on. The point is... Tampa Bay is in a much better position to win this series than Dallas because they've got the lines, they've got the depth. But Dallas is pretty formidable as well. You have Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Joe Pavelski, Corey Perry, Denis Gurionov, Alexander Radulov. That's just the first two lines of forwards. But that's still pretty good. That's still pretty lethal. They have a they might have a better overall top six and top nine compared to a team like Tampa Bay. And Bonus hasn't made the official line changes for today's game yet. It's still early in the morning. And those line changes will be out later today. So if you follow the Stars and the Lightning on Twitter. But the Stars blue line, they've got two really good blue lines. They've got Essel and Dell and John Klingberg on one blue line. And then they have Miro Heiskanen and Jamie Oleksiak on the other blue line. And those four defenders are really good for Dallas. They make for great penalty killers. They're big. They're physical. They can knock you flat on your ass. So I'm really curious to see what type of adjustments Rick Bonus makes. Because Bonus was an assistant head coach to John Cooper for five years in Tampa Bay from 2013 to 2018. Then he goes to Dallas as an assistant head coach after being an associate coach to Cooper in Tampa Bay. And then he takes over as the interim head coach this year, and the Stars get to the Stanley Cup Finals. And Anton Kudobin's continued to be amazing in this series. So Kudobin deserves a lot of credit for stepping up. A lot of people were hoping for a Ben Bishop, Andre Vasilevsky Stanley Cup Finals with two former Lightning players going against each other mano a mano but Kudobin has been a real storyline for the Dallas Stars as him and Corey Perry both enter contract years and they're going to be two highly sought after free agents I think Oleksiak might be a free agent too so Dallas there's more of a need for them to win now Tampa Bay is going to have all their guys back they're going to have Stamkos back next year they're going to be in a position to repeat as Eastern Conference champions whereas Dallas they have to strike now. They have to be the team that steps up. And I picked Tampa Bay to win this series in seven. But honestly, if Dallas wins tonight, anything could happen in game seven. Dallas could win in game seven, and Joey's prediction of the Stars over Lightning in seven games could come true. I picked the Lightning in, over Dallas in seven games. Brian Thornsburg, another write, former writer at Draft Utopia, who has some great articles on Vegas sports teams, picked the Lightning in six games. This is going to be a fun series. And I'm gonna go with the um I'm gonna go with the Stars to win tonight. And I'm DVRing both the Dallas Stars Tampa Bay Lightning game six and the Chiefs Ravens game tonight. I'm DVRing both of those contests.
And on that note, I'm going to break down the NBA next. The NBA Finals, I'm going to break that down. Break down the starting lineups for each team, the Heat and the Lakers. Game 1 of the 2020 NBA Finals will be on Wednesday night at 8 Eastern. I'll probably record that game too, as well as Game 7. Because I'm a Lakers fan, I just haven't had time to watch the NBA. With everything going on right now with the NFL, with predictions, with COVID-19. I mean, I've watched a few games as a fan, I just haven't had the time to recap the NBA like I'd like to. And I'm always going to prioritize hockey over the NBA, unless it's a situation where the Stars are out of the playoffs and the Lakers are still in the playoffs. Then at that point, I'll probably prioritize the NBA because I am a huge Laker fan. But it's like, yeah. The Heat, though, they have their starting five back for next season. You have Goran Dragic at point guard. Kendrick Nunn at, are both averaging over 15 points a game. You have Tyler Hero. You have Tyler Hero at shooting guard. You have Jimmy Butler, who's a huge upgrade over Josh Robinson. Josh Richardson, not Josh Robinson. Josh Richardson. Butler is playing shooting guard. You have Duncan Robinson. You have Kelly Olsnick. You have Bam Aid Bayo. So you have Gore, Randrajic, Kendrick Nunn, and Tyler Hero all pushing each other. And you can put Hero at shooting guard or point guard, really. So, and you've got Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's the heart of this Miami Heat team. Duncan Robinson, Kelly Olniak, and Bam Aid Boyo are good. But let's face it, Miami's probably going to have Dragic at the one, Hero at the two, Butler at the three, with Duncan Robinson on the bench, Kelly Olynyk in the four, and Bam Aid Bayo in the five for their series against the Lakers. And it's a great starting five. Eric Spolstra coaching this team to their fifth NBA Finals. Pat Riley won the NBA Finals with the 2006 Miami Heat. And then Spolstra got the Heat to the first NBA Finals in 2011. Yeah, so Spolstra took over for Pat Riley, who's still the executive. And Miami will now be in their fifth NBA Finals under Eric Spolstra. And this is LeBron James' eighth NBA Finals appearance this decade, I believe. He went to four consecutive NBA Finals with Miami. He went to four consecutive NBA Finals with Cleveland. Now he's on the Lakers, and they're in the NBA Finals. But to be fair, LeBron avoided the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. He avoided Steph Curry, was injured. It feels like the competition in the Western Conference is weaker than usual, but LeBron James and Anthony Davis are two of the top three, maybe two of the top five players in this league. And you have Danny Green at small forward. You've got LeBron. LeBron can be used as a point guard or a small forward. You have Avery Bradley at point guard, shooting guard. You have Danny Green. You have JaVel McGee. You also got Rondo, Cantavius Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, um, Dwight Howard. I think the Lakers just have the starters and they have the depth players to go on a huge run in this NBA Finals. And that's why I think the Lakers are going to win this series. But the Heat, I think the Heat can push the Lakers to seven games. Honestly, I really do. So I'm taking the Lakers in seven. 
but I think the Heat are actually going to make this a series. They're going to make this a contest. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch these teams get things going here. And I'll break down the MLB playoff bracket next, right now. And then after I break down the MLB playoff bracket, I'm not sure I will have enough um, time to break down other stuff after that. I'll check. But yes, I'm going to... Um, Astros play the Twins on Tuesday. I'm taking the Twins in that one because I just feel like the Astros without Verlander, without Garrett Cole, without Dallas Keuchel, they're not the same team. Lucas Giolito is going to start against the Athletics in Game 1. The Athletics have not announced their starting pitcher yet. But it may not be Sean Manea. I've always felt like Manea is their best pitcher. Dallas Keuchel. If the Athletics wait till Game Three to start Sean Manea, I can see the White Sox pulling the upset. But this, I'm gonna go Athletics two-one. Athletics win the series. Twins sweep the Astros two-nothing. Blue Jays and Rays. I'm gonna take the Blue Jays here three to two. They did sweep Tampa Bay early in the season. Their number one starter is doing better than Tampa Bay's number one starter, so I'm going to take the Blue Jays to win this series 2-1 to one in Tampa Bay. So they win both games in Tampa Bay. Cody Vanderhoven, a friend of mine, and Thomas Coburn on Facebook, we have the same eight teams winning the wild card round. I'm going with the Indians over the Yankees. Shane Bieber is going to outpitch Garrett Cole. Yeah, and ABC is going to be hosting the Marlins-Cubs game. Which is surprising because that's that should not be on ABC. Like, ABC does not own the rights to baseball, but ABC does own the rights to ESPN. So, I think it's ironic that ABC is choosing to step in and host a baseball game, a playoff game, a wild card game. But the Marlins-Cubs game, that's the series they picked. That's the series ABC picked. And I know the Cubs have a lot of talent, a lot of good batters. But of all the series you could have picked, if you're ESPN or if you're ABC, you should pick Yankees-Indians because you have Garrett Cole versus Shane Bieber. Great pitching matchup. Probably the best pitching matchup in these playoffs. But the Cubs will beat the Marlins. I've got the Cardinals over the Padres as long as Dakota Hudson starts. But Dakota Hudson versus Mike Clevenger, that should be fun. Um, Reds are going to have Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray as their one-two punch. And the Braves are facing an unbeaten pitcher. So whoever can win game, the Braves are throwing an unbeaten pitcher on the mound. Max Fried, the guy who began the year as their starter, got injured. So if the Braves' unbeaten pitcher can beat Trevor Bauer mano a mano, the Braves will win the series. But if you can't, I think the Reds move on and win the NL wild card and send Atlanta packing. But I, I pretty much agree with Cody Vanderhoen about the winners for the wild card. Twins, Blue Jays, Athletics, Indians in the AL, NL, Reds, Cubs, Cardinals, and Dodgers. Now we'll move on to the NL 
the ALDS and the NLDS. Um, so we got Toronto versus Cleveland. I'm taking Cleveland over Toronto. And then Oakland versus Minnesota. I'm taking Oakland over Minnesota, which sets up a Cleveland-Oakland ALCS. And then I've got the Cubs and the Dodgers winning in their NLDS matchups, setting up a Dodgers-Cubs NLCS. And I'm going to go with the Dodgers and the Cleveland Indians as my AL and NL champions. I'm going to go with Cleveland over the Dodgers as the Cleveland Indians finally win the World Series in 2020. But they have to get by the Yankees, and they need to draw Toronto. If Tampa Bay wins this series, Tampa Bay could knock off Cleveland. The Yankees could knock off Cleveland. The Athletics, Athletics and Cleveland would be a toss-up, but I think Cleveland would get by based on their pitching, but it would go seven games. It would go the distance. And then the same could be said with Cleveland Dodgers. But I think the Tribe has the pitching to pull off the World Series. But it's going to be very interesting to see if Cleveland or the Yankees wins that series. Because I think whoever wins that series is going to be the AL champion. I really do. I really feel like whoever comes out on top in that series will be the American League champion. I will talk some college football and maybe Edward Kiza. I don't think I'll have time to break down um, the NHL draft today, but maybe I'll break that down tomorrow, or maybe I'll wait till next Tuesday and do an entire seven-round NHL mock draft on this podcast leading up to NHL draft day. I think I'll do that. We're going to take another commercial break. I'll be right back. Welcome back. Some closing thoughts before I wrap up this show. Go to TalkShoe to find out um, our thoughts on the um, Kyle Trask and K.J. Costello. Those quarterbacks absolutely killed it this weekend in college football. Um, Kyle Pitts had a hell of a game at tight end. He moved into our top 15. And... Edward Kiza, he's no longer on the Pitt men's soccer team. I don't know what the problem is. I did post two Edward Kiza film cuts on our YouTube channel. You can go there to listen to those film cuts. And those film cuts are up there. Brian thinks he got a... Um, Brian Lewis, who's called in this podcast, thinks he got a pro offer overseas, which is possible. Um... Yeah, in the NHL mock draft, I've decided I'm not going to break down a six-round NHL mock. I've decided I'm just going to break that down next Tuesday. I will break down all seven rounds of my NHL mock draft. I'm going to try to get through every single pick within the one-hour time period. So that'll be fun to break those picks down. I will have a blast doing that. And that'll do it for today's long-ass edition of Draft Utopia. If you enjoyed this podcast, go to our social media pages, like the Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the YouTube, use social media, get involved with the Utopia of Sports. If you've got any questions, I will gladly answer them. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, you're an athlete playing sports, you want more exposure, message me. I will do my best to try to get you on our platform all right this is chris ransom of draft utopia 
Signing off. Enjoy your Monday morning, folks.